to be in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15, actually, and just take a minute and or a moment. And, you know, you once were lost, but now you're found. That's, that's good news, isn't it? That is the good news. <laughs> that's my sermon. Amen. Let's go home. Think about it for just a minute. You know, we thought about a lot this week. Think about you were once lost. Now, not everybody in here may be saved. You know, we can't, we can't just believe that that's the truth. I think it would be great if it were. But we may have people in here that are lost and not quite sure what it means to be saved or they're trying to make a decision. Get saved. Isn't that a great noise? Did y'all hear that noise? It's so good to have Jerry and Jennifer and Nate back, isn't it? Amen. So good. And I don't know if any of y'all, uh, I don't know, I don't think everybody in here is on Facebook, are they? If you are, then why aren't you my friend? You haven't sent me a friend request. Uh, but if you've been able to see some of the pictures, I think about 99 and 44 one-hundredths of those pictures, that, that, that smile on that face, oh my goodness. And I can't help but believe it's, he's still thinking about the first time he saw Jared's face. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's over there and, and, and he has, there's something special between him and Jared's beard. I don't know what it is, but he loves it. But it's good to have you guys back. And we've got, like I said and, and mentioned in our prayer, we've got so many reasons to be thankful this morning. But boy, the biggest one, the biggest one of all is we, if you're a Christian and if you're saved, and it's not an elitist group, anybody can be. You just have to believe, put your trust in Jesus. But once we, once we weren't like that, and we were, we were dead men walking on our way to hell, and we didn't understand all this church stuff, and maybe we got saved when we were young, and it's kind of hard to remember what life was beforehand. But it's the same for all of us. Before we're saved, we're headed to one place. And it's not a good place. But when we had that encounter with Christ, when we understood our sin and we understood the sacrifice that he made, when we understand that he sought us out and he was looking for us and he found us and we had that moment with him where we believed and we, yes, I believe this. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. I want that come into my life, be my Savior, then, then everything changed. And, and that once was lost, but now I'm found that they were singing about a minute ago. You know, every now and then you just get chills about that, don't you? You know, sometimes it's just like, well, it's almost as nonchalant and, and you know, as, how, how you doing today? Fine, how are you? You know, no big deal. But then every now and then it hits you, wait a minute. I once was lost. I was on my way to hell. And now I'm not. And nothing can change that. And, and that's exciting. And what should that tell you about yourself? That the God of the universe sought you out. Now, the logical person will say, well, I've heard you say that, that God knows everything. And God is everywhere, so he knows where everybody is. So why does he have to seek you out? I mean, can you hide from God? The picture is, and the picture that Scripture gives us, is that he is the shepherd that will leave the group to find the one that has gone astray, the one that is lost. So that's the picture, that's the idea. He seeks that which is lost. He knows where you are, but he is pursuing you. And if you're lost here this morning, he is pursuing you. 
And you may turn around and look and not see him there, but he is there. And he is pursuing you. And again, what does that, what idea, what thought does that give us about ourselves? Well, if he's after me, then I must be worth a little something, something, maybe. Maybe my life really does matter. Because I tell you what, a lot of us are going through life, even as Christians, thinking we don't matter. Let me tell you something, you do matter. Now, this is not a self-help seminar. This is not a let's boost the people up so they can walk out of here with their chin up and their nose in the air uh, kind of sermon. That's not what this is. But you are, you matter to God. You're breathing, you matter. You're here, you matter. You matter to God. So it's a little disconcerting when I hear our culture say, well, we matter. Or we get this idea, well, this group matters more than this group. And I, I beg to differ. I think everybody matters to God. All across the spectrum, the color spectrum, the cultural spectrum, uh, no matter where you are, no matter where you live, you matter to God. Everybody matters to God. And then we may get a, okay with that thought. And then we have to understand, well, if everybody else is okay with God and God loves them, then that means that everybody's got to kind of be okay with me. And i got to love them. And that's sometimes where we're having an issue as well. But look at them. Look how they act. Look what they're doing. Look at the sin. Yeah, but when, when God looks at that individual, he sees what that person can be if they'll just give it up and if they'll just turn it over to him. And that's what he wants because that person matters to him. And bottom line is this. God knew that our lives would be much better with him in it. And so he made it possible for that to happen through Jesus. That's the gospel. If you're struggling with how to tell somebody about the gospel, the God that made everything wanted you to know that you matter to him. He sees the potential in you, and he sees that your life can be so much better with him because he loves you. So he sent his son to die for you, to take care of what separates you, and that's sin. And there's a million ways that we can share that story with people that we know and people that we love. And we need to be sharing that story. But this today, the question is, who matters? Who matters? And the answer to that is everybody matters. And we've got Scripture to back it up. So let's look at Luke 15 this morning. And we're going to see in the Scripture, by the way that God came for us, by the way that he carries us, by the way that he celebrates over us, and by the way that he calls us. All of these things we will see in Scripture, they show us that we matter and that he cares about us. I was reading a story about a woman who was going to nursing school, and the, this particular day their professor was giving them a pop quiz. And this nursing student said, well, I always thought I was a conscientious student. I had breezed through the questions until, until I read that very last question on that pop quiz, and I got stumped. And the question was this, what is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? She thought, surely this has got to be some kind of joke. I mean, I've seen this woman every day. She's about this tall. She's got black hair. She's probably in her 50s. Uh, but how am I supposed to know her name? So she, she folded her paper and didn't answer the last question. She left it blank, turned it in. And as they were walking out, somebody, one of the students asked the professor, hey, are you going to count that last question on the quiz 
against us if we didn't get it right? And the professor said, absolutely. In your careers, you're going to meet a whole lot of people, and every person you meet is significant. They deserve your attention. They deserve your care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. And she said, this is the lesson. This is the, this is the thing that stuck with her more than anything else. And she also found out later that that woman's name was Dorothy. So that was good. It was good that she found out her name. But that, you know, that's, that's, that's a good illustration of how important everybody is. And we feel ordinary, don't we, a lot of the times. Sometimes we, we get into that, well, I'm not really anything special. I'm not anybody special. I don't matter. Do I really matter? And then sometimes we go through all of these things in our lives to make it look like we matter. And we will get all of these degrees, and degrees are great, and knowledge is good. And we will do all these things to our physical selves to make ourselves look good and feel good. And we'll buy things that enhance all of this to make ourselves feel like we matter. And we try to cover up our mistakes, and we try to hide them. And we try to pretend like our lives are perfect. And if we are on social media, sometimes the biggest part of our time on social media is trying to make it look like everything that goes on in our lives is, per is picture perfect and we don't have problems. And it's all because we, you know, deep down we want to matter. We want to be relevant. We want somebody to think that we're important. And the first, well, this is not the first bit of good news. I think I've shared a lot of good news already. But here's some more good news. You are important and you are relevant to your Creator. If nobody else thinks you are, <laughs> which is not the case, I'm sure, if nobody else thinks you are, He does. And He matters. He matters. Because He can take everybody else out just like that. <laughs> but He's not going to do that. So let's look at this. Let's look at this. Let's see in Scripture that we're getting ready to read that we matter because of how Jesus came for us. He came for us think about how um, when you were dating uh, some of you still are hopefully if you're married you still are uh, when when you would be sitting waiting for your for your date to come to pick you up and how devastated you would be if that person never showed up that'd be a, that'd be tough wouldn't it how about how about when you're uh, when you're at school and you are expecting your parents to come and get you. And they don't show up. Things are getting worse. Go back to the good news. Go back to the good news. I was, uh, years ago, since we're getting close to Halloween, and I've shared this story with you before, um, we always had the, the fall festival. And um, one night we were, it was at the old church, and um, somebody got the really great idea Let's go, I'm, I hope I'm getting this right because I'm getting older and sometimes, sometimes everything is not remembered correctly. Do you feel me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. And so the idea was let's go over and roll Peggy and Leon's yard. Let's do that. That was a great idea. Everybody thought it was a great idea. So people start leaving. People start going. And I, it's not long before I realize that my ride has left and I'm the, I have no ride. So not only is it good when somebody comes for you, it's also good that when they brought you that they take you back because that's not good either, is it? Okay. So he, he came for us. He, 
Scripture says that he came to seek and save that which was, that which was lost. In Luke 19, we're not going to read this this morning for, for time's sake, but we read a story about a little man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. And not only was he little, he was a, he was a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was a corrupt tax collector. And people didn't like him. He was a lost cause. Of course, you don't like tax collectors anyway, but this guy was the worst kind because he was deceitful and dishonest. And they didn't like him. And he was a little snively little man. That's not even a word. But they didn't like him. And he was a hopeless cause. Until the day that he met Jesus and he realized that there was maybe something in this life better for him than the existence that he already had. Because he met Jesus and things changed. When we met Jesus, certainly things changed. And people would have given up on Zacchaeus. They probably already had. You know, when he was trying to see, they wouldn't let him through the crowd, would they? So he had to climb up the sycamore tree so he could see. You know the story. Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't somebody say tall people in the back, short people in the front? They weren't going to say that because Zacchaeus was short, and they didn't want him up front. Let him stay back there. We don't want him up here. But he climbed the tree, and, you know, the rest is history. He got saved, didn't he? He met Jesus. He met Jesus, and Jesus didn't give up on him. And Jesus doesn't give up on us either. He seeks that which is lost, so that that which is lost can be found. And that's our message of joy and hope this morning. That's the message for you if you've been wondering for yourself, is there any hope for me? And that's, that's the message for those people that you know, your loved ones, your friends that are out there that have yet to hear this message. We can take that message to them. But let's read from God's Word, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? So we're, we're talking about that one lost sheep. That one lost sheep represents everybody in this room. And that one lost sheep represents everybody outside of this room. As a matter of fact, that one lost sheep represents every single person that has ever lived except for one, Jesus Christ. But everybody else is represented by that lost sheep. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And because of our sin, because we're born into sin, because of original sin, because of what took place in Eden, we're cut off from God because that sin separates us. And being cut off from God, we're in the greatest danger we could ever be in. Not being a Christian, we're in the greatest danger we could ever be in because our road leads straight to hell. Unless there is a moment when we accept what Christ is offering to us. Plain and simple. I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to scare anybody. Presenting facts. That's what we all need. Truth. And that's what I'm trying to give you here this morning. But Jesus is represented here as a good shepherd who is willing to go a long way. Ever how long it took to find that one that had gone astray. And you could even call what he did a passionate and sacrificial search 
because that search, he was very passionate about what he was doing because he loves us so much. And it was sacrificial because he ended up giving his life. You know how that story goes. He was absolutely determined to find us, and he didn't care how far he had to go to find us. So how far did he go? Went all the way, right. How far is all the way? Well, he left heaven to come all the way down here. That's a pretty long way, pretty long way to come. And he allowed himself to be clothed in human flesh and be a part of what was going on down here. But then he didn't stop there. Then he went all the way to the cross, and he gave his life. And he even went into death to give us life. That's what he did. He went a long, long way, willing to go the distance. He came for us. He came for me. He, he came for you. Anthony Fortosa said these words. I want to read these to you. Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of the infinite universe, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, unspeakably holy, dwelling in light, unapproachable, changeless, and yet he condescended to become enclosed in lowly human flesh, to be born a despised Jew in a filthy stable without fanfare or pomp. The richest became the poorest that the poor might become rich. He starved for 40 days in the wilderness that we might feast on the bread of life. He emptied himself that we might be filled. His heart was broken that he might bind up the brokenhearted. His body was crushed that we might be made whole. He was rejected that we might be accepted. He was condemned that we might be justified. He was judged that we would not be judged. He died as the innocent one that the guilty might be declared innocent. That the guilty might be declared innocent. So there was a determination that this good shepherd had. Now let me tell you, let me tell you about William for just a minute. If William had to be in charge of a hundred sheep, first of all, I'm going to ask for some help probably. That's a lot of sheep to take care of. Then if one of them left, I would probably say, well, who's going to miss it really? You know, I'm just trying to be honest here. I mean, I'm really liking my place under the shade tree beside this little pond here and and one of the sheep has laid down behind me so I got a pillow and you know he'll come back he'll hear the rest of the sheep and he'll come back I'm not very determined am I I hope that in similar situations in life metaphorically speaking that I am more determined than that but he was determined to go all the way he would go as far as it as it took to get to where you were, to find you, to save you. You are loved that much. You matter that much. I read a story about a little boy uh, in southern Florida, and their house was right beside of a, a lake. And one day after school, he jumped in the water and went swimming, and he got halfway across the lake and realized he was almost nose-to-nose with an alligator. And so he did a U-turn, and he tried to swim as fast as he could back to the shore. And he was screaming and yelling, and his mother came out and saw what was taking place. So his mother ran down to the lake and jumped in the water. And the alligator and the mother reached the sun about the same time. And the alligator had grabbed hold of the boy, and so she grabbed hold of the boy too. But she, she didn't let go. 
And so the alligator did, and she pulled the boy to safety. Of course, he was taken to the hospital. He was cared for, and, and uh, his wounds were covered and, and taken care of. And when he left the hospital, the reporters were outside, and they said, let us see your scars that the alligator left on you. And so he pulled up his, his pants legs, and he kind of showed them how he was bandaged up and everything and showed them some of the scars that were there. He goes, you want to see my other scars? And they said, what other scars? And he said, the scars that I have because my mom wouldn't let me go. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That, that's, that's such a beautiful story of the determination that your Savior had for you. But here's the, here's the deal. Our loving, good, and kind Savior didn't put any scars on you. He took the scars for himself. Isn't that great? Isn't that good to know? He did that for us because he loves us. He did that for you because you matter. So let me ask you this. Have you let Jesus find you? Or are you still playing hide and seek? He came for us. We know that we matter because of the way that he came for us. But let's look also about how he carries us, how our Savior carries us. I want you to look at verse number 5. And when he hath found it, speaking of the one sheep that had gone astray, and when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So we know what William would have done. You know, William probably wouldn't have been able to experience this because he's still asleep under the shade tree. But Jesus found that one that was lost. He went as far as he needed to go. This is the picture that we're given. And he picked him up, put him on his shoulders, and rejoiced over what took place. So he is, he's a good shepherd. He's like the greatest shepherd. And you know what? You can be carried by the good shepherd. Would anybody in here say they know they've been carried by the good shepherd? You know what that means? You know what that feels like? You know what that experience is? Some of you, many of you have said yes, and I want you to know that he is willing to carry you. He's willing to carry you all the way home. All the way home. Where's home for the Christian? Heaven. He is willing to carry us all the way home. And what a privilege to know that we can be carried on the arms, on the shoulders of the Savior. And when you're on the shoulders of the Savior, you know what you're close to? Close to heaven. But you're also very close to his heart, aren't you? That heart that beats, that heart that beats for us, that heart that beats for you. We are carried close to his heart. He loves us. We matter to him. Well, let's talk about that sheep for just a minute. I think all of us, everybody in here, can relate to that sheep. How so, William? Well, I think probably some of us feel like we're the black sheep of the family. If there's a black sheep of the family, it's me. Some of us probably feel that way. We relate to it because of that. Maybe we feel like uh, a sheep because that sheep because we feel like we've wandered far off. We we sometimes feel like we've just gone too far with things. We've taken it too far this time. I know that God's grace is sufficient, and I know that His His sacrifice took care of all sin. Boy, I've taken it too far this time. We feel like we've gone too far. Maybe as an unsaved individual. We feel like, well, you just don't know me. And you don't know what I've done. And you don't know how far I've gone. You just don't know. I feel like I'm so far away from where I should be that God could never find me. And those of us who have been found realize that this is not a truth, is it? 
because he knows exactly where to find you. He knows exactly where to find us. We can relate to this sheep. And sometimes being so far away and have gone, feeling like we've gone so far, we feel like the only way for us to get back to where we need to be is just for him to carry us, to carry us back to safety. And you know those moments when you just give it up and you say, God, I know I've, I've messed up terribly. I agree with you that I have done wrong. And I just need you to minister to my heart and to my needs right now. I need you to take me where you need me to go. I need to be in that place where I know you're there. I know you're healing me. I know that you're with me. I hear it and I read it, but I need to feel it. I need to experience it. I need to feel that I'm being carried on your shoulders. And sometimes we feel like it's up to us to find our own way back to where we need to be. No, that's not the case either. You know, we've never gone too far. Never gone too far. I don't care what sin you're involved in, what sin is your go-to sin, or what you are struggling with in your life. God can rescue you from that. God can take care of that for you. Scripture tells us that He always gives us a way out. But William, I've done it again and again and again and again. How will I recognize the way out if I've done it so many times? You've got to pray about it. You've got to talk to Him about it. And you've got to believe that He's going to offer you a way out. I don't know. I think maybe some of us here this morning feel like we're so deep in stuff or in something that there's just no way out. And that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. He wants you to stay exactly where you're at, involved in that sin, thinking about that sin, enjoying that sin. He wants you right there because he knows if you're there, then you're probably going to feel a little bit of guilt and a little weird going to church. So let's not go to church. Uh, you're going to feel a little weird about praying and reading the Bible because you feel like a hypocrite, so you're not going to do any of that either. Ever how the enemy is going to twist it and make you feel like you can't do these things, he's going to do it. And I hate to give credit, but he's good at what he does. He's a good liar. He's the father of lies. It's his native tongue. He will lie to you. But here's somebody who never will. Jesus Christ will never lie to you. Never has, and he never will. And he says to you and to me, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Because if you're, if you're involved in that sin, you've got to be weary and heavy laden because you have that new heart and you're doing that old thing and there's stress involved there. There's conflict. And it's, it's not how things are supposed to be. And things aren't good. And I know you've got to be weary. I know I have been weary and heavy laden, so I have had to come to him to get the rest that I need. And he's always there. He's always with us as a Christian. He's always with us. Even when we're in the middle of that sin, he's right there with us. That's why we have struggle and conflict. Oh, it's not like he just says, oh, oh, I can't watch this, and turns around and goes the other way and looks back here. His face is ever towards you. Why? Because you matter. Because he wants to show you there's a way out. Because he wants to show you that he is the way. He is the way. He is the good shepherd that finds us. He is the shepherd that places us on his shoulders. Isaiah 40.11 tells us that the Lord will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. 
and gently lead those who are with young. Isaiah 46, 3 and 4 says, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age. You mean like if I get saved when I'm young and I live to the ripe old age of 80 or 90 or 100, that the Lord will never get tired of me? Well, how old do you think he is? It says, even to your old age, I am he, and even to whore hairs or gray hairs. I have some gray hairs, so he's still with me, thank God. I, will I carry you? I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. So we matter, you matter, I matter. And I tell you, it's a joy in my heart this morning to, to know that I was found and I'm carried close to the heart of God. And as a child of God, that's the same thing for you. You have been found and you are carried close to the heart of God. He will carry us and he wants to. It's not like, oh, good gracious, I have to pick him up again. He's so heavy. That's not the way it is. I'm going to tell you what, he picked up the heaviest thing there ever was when he picked up that cross and carried it up Golgotha's hill and then laid down his life. And then the weight of all sin bared down upon him. Talk about heavy. I am, I am, I am nothing compared to that. I'm like a wisp. I'm like a, like a wind. That was a heavy burden for him to carry. A heavy burden. I think about, I don't want to make light of a, of a serious moment here, but we used to have a Wii, you know, that, that uh, game system. And we got the, the, Wii, the board thing that's supposed to make you exercise. And I thought, all right, here we go. They're going get, to get in shape and... And this is a good purchase. This is a good thing to have. And so you have to go through all these questions, answer all these questions. Then tell them how old you are and, and male, female, all this kind of stuff. And then you have to step up on it. And it goes calculating, calculating. And when it was done with me, it said, obese. I was so offended. I was so offended. I kicked that thing under the couch and it's still there today. But, he, you know, we're not, we're not too heavy. We haven't gone too far. We haven't done too much for our good shepherd. He will carry us. He wants to carry us. And when we see him for who he really is, we're going to be like the people that we read about in the first verse who wanted to be there when Jesus was talking. We wanted to be there when Jesus was speaking. And the only thing that will keep us from doing that is stubborn pride. You know, I'm, you know, the pride of the lost person is I don't need Jesus. I'm, I'm uh, doing just fine on my own. The pride of a saved person is um, it could go any number of ways. Uh, I've gone too far. I've got to take care of this myself before I talk to God about it. I mean, that's just, again, that's just a, a lie that's offered up by the enemy. We need to go to him. We need to go to him because he is our help. But these people in that next verse the scribes and Pharisees, they said, they said, oh, he eats with sinners. He hangs around sinners. He eats with them. And boy, I'm glad. I'm glad he sits down with sinners. I'm glad he wants to be around sinners because what he wants to do to sinners is he wants to save those sinners. 
He wants that for you. Again, he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. And I tell you what, if you, if you have heard the gospel and you've responded to the gospel, you believe the gospel, you've accepted the gospel, then he is carrying you, okay? He is carrying you. And he is carrying you home. And even right now, in this very minute, as a Christian, he's got you halfway there. Maybe even a little bit farther. We're on our way, people. We are on our way. And here's the deal. We can't think, well, it's going to be a little overcrowded, isn't it? No, we can, we can go and try to get as many people interested in going with us as possible. I'm not going to get to finish. I've got several other points that I want to make this morning. Points about how heaven celebrates, how he celebrates when one lost soul is saved. I think heaven must be a pretty busy place. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But I tell you what, everything, I think, this is just me imagining, everything just kind of stops when somebody gets saved and there's a celebration going on. I mean, think about how excited we get. People scream and holler and clap and shout when people get saved down here, don't they? And then when they get baptized as a symbol of what's taking place, the same kind of thing happens. People shout, get excited, raise their hands. It's a time to celebrate because we know what that means. We know what it meant for us. And we know what it means for them. They're going to heaven. And everybody that trusts in Jesus can go to heaven. And, and it talked about the woman that, that lost the coin. And she had people to come and they looked for it and they found it and they celebrated. And it talks about how there's a celebration in heaven when that happens. And also we get the picture of the, the prodigal son is, is talked about in the scripture as well. The boy who went home, left home, and he said, Give me what's mine, Dad, and I'm going to go and live my life. And he went out and he lived in a bad way for so long. And he realized, i got to go back home because even my servants, are, my dad's servants, are eating better than I'm eating. And he comes home, and he's just willing to go and slop the pigs or eat with the pigs if his dad will let him. But his dad says, Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're my child, you know, we're going to kill the fatted calf. We're going to put a nice set of clothes on you. We're going to put a ring on your finger. We're going to have a party in your honor. That is what happens when one lost soul comes to know Jesus. It's worth getting excited about. The world doesn't understand that. Y'all are weird. What are you talking about? In heaven, there's a party. I don't even believe in heaven. Well, you should because it's better than anything down here. Let me tell you about it. I don't want to hear about it. But when you do, come and talk to me. I'll tell you all about it. You're going to want to know. Plant the seed. They're going to go home and they're going to think, hmm, heaven. Hmm. Then they're going to start Googling heaven. And then they're going to think, this is all good and there's all this information, but I'm just going to talk to somebody that knows about heaven. I'm going to go back and talk to them. And you're going to have an opportunity to do what the last thing is because, he, because there are still so many that are lost and he calls us to join in that search, and to try to help other people to come to know him. But how do I do that, William? I want to do that. I want to, be a, I want to be a witness for the Lord. Well, first of all, you read your Bible and you pray. Oh, let's back up a little bit. First of all, you've got to be saved. And I don't think that you're going to want to go out and see other people saved if you're not saved first. So that salvation has got to take place in your life. 
And then you read your Bible and you pray and you come to church and you learn and you grow and you talk to other people about their faith and what God has done in their lives. And then you think about, well, what has God done for me? And you think about how you once were lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. You know, none of that stuff ever made any sense to me until I got saved. Once I was blind, but now I've, I've never been blind. You know, I've always had 20-20 vision. What do you mean you, once you were blind? You've never even worn glasses. No, you don't understand. Once I was blind to what God had done for me. But now that I see it, everything is different. That's, you know, just be yourself. Tell what Christ has done in your life. Tell what the Bible says about Jesus. You know, we are, you know, I don't know, every generation has probably felt this way and said these words. We are getting down to the wire, people. Jesus is coming back, and he is. He is coming back, no doubt. No doubt. And we're going to, you know, we're busy every day doing all sorts of things, but take the time. Take the time to love somebody. How do you love somebody? Love somebody enough to start telling them what Jesus has done in your life. Love somebody enough to tell them what Jesus has done for them, even though they don't know about it. they got to find out from somebody. Let them find out from you. So I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. This is just a this is just a brief pause before the last hour of my sermon. I'm just kidding. This is a moment to think. When Melissa and Elizabeth sang those words, once was lost, but now I'm found. What does that stir up inside of you? I think one of two things. One, amen, hallelujah, it's true. I was once a lost person, but now I'm on my way to heaven. Or number two, I just don't know. I am just not sure. And my friend, listen to me. You can know for sure. Come and let's talk about it. Don't worry about what people are thinking. I'm going to tell everybody in here right now, don't think anything about anybody that might come up in front of this church for any reason. Other than I need to pray for them. I will pray for them. Don't try to figure out what the sin is in their life. Don't try to figure out whether they're saved or not. Hopefully at some point or another, all of us have been up to this altar for some reason. There's nothing magic about this place up here. And I'm here to tell you that my raise is not dependent upon how many people I get to come to this altar. But I will tell you this, that just as there is a celebration in heaven when one lost person comes to Christ, there is a celebration in my heart, there is a celebration in the body of Christ when that happens. And we love it. And we want that for you. Don't hesitate. And maybe you're one that has such a hunger and a desire to share Christ because you've got people very close to you that are lost, and you know it. And you feel like, well, they've known me all my life, or they've known me all this time, and I've never really had a conversation about my faith. And you never will until you do, right? Have that conversation. 
See, it's got to be in the forefront of our mind and of our thinking because there are lost sheep that need to be found. There are lost souls going to hell. You may still be struggling with the idea of hell. I can only present facts and what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is a hell. And it's reserved for Satan and his demons and for those who reject Jesus Christ. And it also says there's a heaven that Jesus went to go and prepare for us so that where he is, we can be there too. And he came so far to give you that opportunity. Won't you come and show him that you're ready? Let's all stand, if you will. Keep your heads bowed. If there's any need, any reason that you need to respond to this message in any way, we'll give you an opportunity now.